Hey everybody, welcome to CookPod, the podcast that's unfair and unbalanced. I'm Peter Barrett. This week I talked to my good friend Rachel Roddy. We did this interview when I was in Rome last month in my rented apartment in Testaccio, which is the neighborhood where she lives. One of my favorite parts of Rome has a very particular personality. And because most of it was built very recently by Roman standards, it has a grid layout and a beautiful neighborhood vibe. Rachel and I got to know each other way back in the glory days of blogging and uh, became friends via commenting on each other's stuff. And we finally met in real life back in the summer of 2017. As with everyone else that I met first online and then in real life, um, with whom I became friends on the basis of their skills as a writer and photographer and cook and whatever else they brought to the table as a blogger, she and I became we already were friends, and, and uh, hanging out together in real life only solidified that. Uh, she's just terrific. So much warmth, so much intelligence, so much genuine passion and respect for Roman cooking and the larger world of Italian foodways, including Sicily, where she spent a lot of time. Her books are beautiful, warm, inviting, extremely helpful and useful. And uh, we had a good talk. And then we went to her place and made dinner together, which is our favorite thing to do. She's Rachel Alice Roddy on Instagram, where I am cookblog. You can read her every week in The Guardian Feast. Her first book is called Five Quarters, although for the American market, it was renamed My Kitchen in Rome. Her second book is called Two Kitchens, which bounces back and forth between Rome and Sicily. She's hard at work now on her third book, which is going to be a quite comprehensive look at pasta in many, many forms. So keep an eye out for that. So here's me talking to Rachel Roddy in my apartment in Testaccio. I really feel like we got somewhere with this conversation. Uh, it's different talking to somebody that I know versus somebody I'm meeting for the first time. And uh, I think you'll hear that in this. Enjoy. Because I used to be a visual artist, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested in the people that I've met in the last 10 years in the food world who have nonetheless carved paths for themselves on the basis of talent and passion and varying degrees of willingness to work for other people. Okay. Because I think it's a similar model and it's a similar mindset that's, um, that prioritizes autonomy and creativity over just having a steady job. So one of the things that I'm interested in in, the, in terms of choosing people to talk to is mm -hmm. people who have done you know, admirable jobs of, of carving out a path and a trajectory and, and achieving success on, on, you know, in, in, in terms that, that resemble the terms that any creative person would respond to. Does that okay. make any sense? Yeah. So, and I know you also have a background in performing, and, you know, prior to getting into food, right? You're an actor. Yeah. Well, yes, was. Was. Or was, or do you ever stop being one? Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think you ever stop being anything of who you are, but it, what's remarkable to me now at my, you know, in my advanced years is um, 
how many things it is possible to have um, a kind of real uh, professional involvement in. And, and every time I think I've sort of arrived at the thing that's going to be the defining one for me, all of a sudden it's a few years later and I've sort of evolved into something different, if that makes yeah. any sense. I think, I think it's interesting though, because I mean, if I think about being an actress, the very nature of that is working and not working, isn't mm-hmm. it? And kind of constantly looking for work and, and wondering. And, and so I was very used to that, I suppose. You know, I left school. In fact, I didn't, I mean, I left school before my A-levels. You did? Mm. So I didn't even, you know, I'd got a place at a good university and was working towards that and working very hard and then left, really left my first kind of, in a way, like, breakdown I always think is a really good useful word because it's like you know this idea that like I just like I think like a car I stopped working you know I just mm-hmm. I didn't like I was working very hard and I left and then and then did lots of things was it academic pressure that sort of drove I think you so around? yeah a combination I wasn't you know I was I was I'd been struggling and I just yes the, it, I think that the pressure was the tipping point and I, mm-hmm. as I say I left a week before my exams mm. so what age is age levels is is what we would call the end of high school right yeah 18 18 right so and I'm not always old and so I and had a place to read history at a really good university and was very excited to go and had a very, very low offer. It wasn't even that I needed to, like, achieve... I needed to get an A in history anyway. But but, but, so, but what I mean, so I left and then I... And then, yeah, I went to drama school much later. Oh, okay. So it might... Well, four years later. Right. And then really enjoyed that. But, yeah, for all my working life as an actress, I worked, I didn't work, was this... I've never had a job in which I... I've had any sort of security, mm-hmm. really. So... I'm very familiar with that, that, that kind of feeling of insecurity and always having to feel as if you reinvent yourself, which maybe sounds a bit pretentious, but in, that you're having to kind of think and was always aware of, of juggling a few things. And then I worked and didn't work. So I've always done lots of things. I've always been quite resourceful in that way, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, so among, what are the things that you did then? Well, I suppose I, you know, I gardened, I did lots of yoga. Just, I love yoga. Just, it just teach, my like, brother teaches yoga. Yeah, I love yoga. I love yoga, but you know, for me, it was like a, it was a real sign of my depression. Yoga, I can't like. I, you know, spend you know a long time in India. I did lots of things. Gar- always garden. So you went to India to study yoga. Yes, oh. and what did I do? I mean, I was always writing a bit. I was, you know, in a, I did in office, a jur- did like office. keeping a journal or writing pieces for. I was writing, pl- I was writing a play. I've still been writing. But one day I'll publish it. Okay. My, my, this play I've been reading, writing for like you know now twenty seven years. Wow. Um, worked in offices. You know, did 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 office work. So so did get skilled. I remember at one point thinking, you know, feeling I'd kind of wasted, and then and then when I started my blog. So I came to Italy when I was 33. Mm-hmm. So this is about what? 12, 14 years 14 ago. 14 years ago this month, actually, ah. about four days ago. Okay. You know, this very sudden move to go to Italy, very impulsive. I really did, I didn't take anything with me. It was a very, didn't even really know where I was going. I thought I'll travel around Sicily a bit. I wanted to. Why did you choose Italy? I literally chose, I went to the airport. I really did. I just, I needed to, lots of things had come to an end. I had, I was feeling, I wasn't feeling I was able to recognise any of the things I'd done, you mm-hmm. know, at that point. That I, I didn't feel I'd developed any skills anywhere. I just felt like I'd been doing a mixture of jobs and I was a kind of jack of all trades and absolutely a master of nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I did leave and I had another periodic kind of stop working and I went to the airport very, very impulsive. I didn't have anything with me and I literally chose off the indicator board and I chose Naples and in fact I then had to go to the other airport because there wasn't a flight, it wasn't a flight the next day and I went and I flew to Naples and then I had in mind that I'd go to Sicily. And as soon as I left, I, th- I thought, 
I just thought, um, this is this is right. I just people were worried, and then quite quickly people realised, no, it's good. I just would travel. I had a bit of money. I'd sold a lot of things. Like a lot of things had come to an end, mm-hmm. so I travelled around Sicily, which was very very good. It was really good. It was really. I just travelled, went from city. wasn't even really like doing anything. I was sleeping a lot. Um, again, it was you know a friend saying you can't run away, and I thought, well. Here I yeah, am. Here I am. I just did. It was great. <laughs> Ooh, wait. It's a long way of telling you this. And then, of course, I did travel. I travelled for about six weeks, a mm-hmm. little bit of time, and then came to Rome and really didn't want to, didn't want to stay here. Came to Sestaccio um, and uh, was rent, living... To was, rent a flat or well, was, you knew I was living near, I was living near Termini, which was a kind of very near a, um, a station. I've, like, for good, bad and very bad reasons, I've always had this... When I was very depressed, I would go to stations and I would sit there mm. and um, and they were kind of related also to lots of things, but also to food. But they were kind of, they were these places of, like, it was a double meaning. One, because they were quite anonymous, but also full of people. Right. And uh, and the other one was that, and then the kind of possibility of going somewhere. And I did eventually go. And I've always, I was staying near the station. I spent a lot of time at Termini. Mm. Again, like sometimes I, I'm a bit dramatic. I can make things very dramatic sometimes. Well, you went to drama school yeah, after all. Exactly, but you know, but it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, you know, it, it all made sense afterwards. Mm-hmm. Staying at Termini, then my best friend came to stay, and okay. she was an architect, and she said, "Let's go to Statue." And I came, and then, you know, as you do, we shared this about Statue. I came. Joe was the one architect. She was like, "This is a really interesting area." I found a flat, and I just it really tripped me up to Statue. I didn't. It was really took me by surprise. I didn't mm. know anything about Rome, really. I didn't know anything about Roman food. Just didn't. I didn't have any expectations. I wasn't looking for anything at all. Yeah. And so I just got caught up in this very, the kind of, you know, we've said before, you know, Rome's got, and it's got the body of a city, mm-hmm. but it's got the head of a provincial town. Yeah. And it's got the heart of a small village. It does, yeah. You know, so all those things, and I loved it. Again, it just felt right, the right place to be. I was in a city, there was the kind of town mentality I couldn't quite work out. Now I know it, but like when people say provincial, but I didn't really get that at the time. Yeah. Because the cities are Well, provincial. and also, uh, would you say 14 years ago, this was even, Testaccio was much less inundated by tourists. And, and you know, I mean, I hear, I hear American English being spoken every time I walk out the door here. There are Americans yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that was true 14 years ago to no, the no. same degree. No, 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 it wasn't. I think, but although it's although you could say it was a it was a real wave of much more expensive 14 years ago. I mean, really, the kind of a boom, wasn't it? Of hmm. Interesting gentrification here in Testaccio. But yes, I mean, it's still still very local. And uh, well, you drop to... you can drop right into a routine here. It feels because it does feel like an, a, it's a town within a town, and and it has everything that you need. Um, and it's lovely to walk in and there's not a lot of traffic and so the streets are quiet. Yeah. It's, it's really a nice neighbourhood. Yeah, and it's very, if you think about its history, it's very distinct, isn't it? It's not yeah. just distinct geographically, Testaccio, it's distinct historically. I mean, a lot of people living here, especially in this building that you're in, mm-hmm. like third generation Testaccini. Yeah. There really, it's a real sense of that. Maybe, maybe that's what gives it such a sense of community because it's, these are the grandchildren of the, the first inhabitants aren't they that were from Abruzzo and things so yes I so all those things unconsciously slotted in but anyway that was a very very long way of telling you that then I started blogging because mm. of a friend and I, d- I knew nothing about blogging so this is this is around the time I started too this is like oh six-ish seven seven, eight, seven seven you started right yeah although I'd been writing a diary right. and it was a friend of mine she said she said you know you should start blogging and actually it was then and through the process of blogging and starting it I'd done basic, very computer illiterate, but I'd done basic skills at the architect's office. Right. You know, I knew I was had a way of writing that was, you know, I'd already been keeping diaries, mm-hmm. but I 
been starting to keep some of my stories kind of online and mm-hmm. you know again these all the things kind of came together in it I, I found blogging a very it was a perfect way for me really to to to, to learn and I think for me because I, I and and we found each other fairly early um, if you, st- I started in, in six, you started in seven, but I think we probably got to know each other probably by eight or nine, oh eight mm-hmm. or oh nine. I think we'd already found each other and started commenting and, and, you know, um, becoming virtual internet friends. And, and to me, the, the act of blogging, um, partly was that I did it all the time. So there was a real routine to it. It was pretty much every other night for seven or eight years, mm-hmm. um, give or take. And so it was therapeutic because writing can be cathartic and therapeutic and, and, and um, because you're, you're taking thoughts and putting them outside of your body and, and trying to make them coherent. But it's also public. So, I mean, obviously you can write privately and keep it secret, but then it's not really a blog. And so for me, it was the, the interface between things I really wanted to talk about. And I, mm-hmm. granted, it was food, so it's not like I was unpacking, you know, my horrible, you know, dad or anything like that. But... Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about interfacing my mind with an intended audience made me kind of, like you said, I mean, there was a learning process, but it was like I wanted to get good at writing. I wanted to write well mm-hmm. for other people to enjoy reading. It wasn't just a sort of solipsistic exercise of me talking about myself. No, 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 the same. The same. I didn't really know what it was, though, in the beginning. Hmm. I just Did it like, start right about food at the very beginning? Yeah, it always was. And I was reading food books. Well, this friend of mine said start a blog and start a... And I was here. And, I'm, and, and then, I suppose, underneath all of that, I'd always, been, I'd always enjoyed... I've always kept kind of diaries and notes, like a lot of people do, about what I've eaten. It's, yeah. it, it, I've always enjoyed food writing in the broadest possible sense. Mm-hmm. Was a lot of very good food writing. Did you, um, were you interested in food coming up in, in your family? Did you cook? Did you, you have a, a family member who was a really good cook? You and, like, were meals a big deal? Yeah, I've got, I mean, my mum's a, my mum's a good cook. Yeah. We always ate well, she's a good gardener. Like mm. you, so we always had nice things up the garden. Yeah. My granny, my, my granny, mum's mum was a very good cook. She had a pub. Yeah. So that was, and again, that was kind of significant because Alice, Later, the the kind of whole relationship between Northern English food and qu- loads of quinto quarto, loads of offal. Right. I mean, I was really, for me, growing up... Tom, you were from the North? I thought you were from outside of London. I'm from outside of London. I grew up outside of London, but my mum and my dad are both from Manchester. Okay. My granny had a pub in the middle of Manchester, which was a really traditional pub. Right. So English, Robinson's Bitter right. beer, okay. and she made food, and she would make sandwiches. Mm-hmm. But, you know, boiled beef sandwiches, tongue sandwiches, cheese and potato pie, all made by her. Really, really nice. Bacon sandwiches, cheese sandwiches. Yeah. Um, but certainly a lot of tribe. Anyway, so that was that link. But Granny was a really nice cook. Mm. My mum was a good cook. Yes, I grew up with nice food. Right. We, we, you know, we travelled a lot. We spent... My references were much more France. Yeah. My mum and her mum had both, like a lot of English people, it, it, you know, read a lot of, like, Elizabeth David and Jane Grigson mm-hmm. and travelled through through food so more French and we then had a house in Greece for a very long time oh wow where on an island or on mainland no mainland Sunio okay and then again later that would kind of another bit in the jigsaw because I have always loved the, the things we, we had 10 years and we spent at least a month there for 10 years wow. so growing up again so I didn't really know but lemons and almonds and figs and, and all the yogurt fish and, too yeah just lovely and, and so again later when I met kind of met all that again in Sicily yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot in common yeah but all, all 
all strike. I felt that, so writing, all those things came together. You know, all those interested. I've always liked writing about food. I'd always liked reading about food. Mm. I'd always enjoyed cooking. And then, as you know, you come to Rome and, I mean, food just smacks you in the face. Yeah, it sure does. It's so, I was quite extraordinary. I knew Italian food was regional. I knew that Roman food was Roman. But I had no idea quite how how Roman it was. And I knew very little about Roman food. So I literally wanted to understand. And I just just seems such a good way and I still think that now I still think that 14 years on it, it's been the way that I have understood this city and then understood other places as yeah. well yeah, yeah. Uh, on every level I'm you know it's so tame what I do but you know the best food writing explores places kind of politically and socially doesn't in terms of well, immigration like, I, you know, yeah, you know. I have to disagree with you there because um, you know we became internet friends and this is true for everybody that I met and really liked in the, you know, back in the golden age of food blogging when we all did it all the time and left each other comments and, and you know, had that sort of wonderful community there. Um, everybody that I was a real fan of online who I've subsequently gone on to meet in real life uh, continues to be a good friend. Like that, that, that there's a, an element of meritocracy to me um, that was really pure and undistilled because we got to know each other on the basis of our, our writing, photography, and you know, senses of humor, etc., whatever. But you are a hell of a writer, and you you have a lot of humor, and you use language really elegantly. And I don't think you need to stray into politics or anything you're not interested in. Quite honestly. Oh well, maybe that's yeah. That's very nice. Well, no, we 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 did, didn't we? Yeah, it's very interesting to say about humor. The what? Well, there was so much lovely stuff as well, but also it was so. It was a nice period. I remember I, I, I probably, it was probably Molly, Orange Jet was one of the first blogs I read. Yeah, yeah it was, it was about that time. But and also, and people were still reading on their computers. People weren't reading in, on phones. So people would actually leave comments. Yeah, and also people were start, weren't they? People were finding ways of working. I mean, in, in, the, in that kind of five years of blogging, I mm. saw, you saw how people evolved. It was interesting. And, and actually, things that have really stayed. And I remember some people, it very quickly, people seemed to get very quite sophisticated or, or certainly kind of find a style of kind of whether it be writing. I absolutely learned to write on with my blog mm-hmm. and reading other people. Yeah. I mean, I obviously knew how to write and elements came in, but I absolutely just mimicked other people. Mm-hmm. And I did. And we all did our 10,000 and our, some, didn't yeah. we? Did our 10, oh, absolutely. You know, really didn't. I? And I read other people's blogs and I, and, I, and I decided who I liked. So it was a kind of now teaching teaching, leading, you know, doing writing workshops is so interesting, you know, when people ask you how, like, how to start, and we know it, but, like, read and read other people, and read, read, read the good stuff, everything. but read the shit as well. Yeah, read you know, all I knew, of it. I knew what I wanted to do, I knew what I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. If you go back, you see all those kind of styles. It was a really oh, creative... Yeah. And, and learning what you don't want to do is incredibly yeah. important. Exactly. And, and, yeah, and seeing people who used... And I still... Well, I take my pictures in The Guardian, I mean, yeah, I take... Yeah. Yeah. Well, blog. you're also a good photographer. I mean, this is the thing. It's like I, you, you, you kind of that people have different strengths and weaknesses, but you, you sort of have the perfect skill set for blogging, and it's obviously you know it's paid off for you. Well, it was you. I mean, it was people like you that were people who had strong photography. And actually, what was interesting? Do you remember one thing? I remember there was quite a lot of people who went very sophisticated very quickly. Hmm. I remember. I don't. I always want to. There was a. There was a couple, on a, a, a rice couple. They were hmm. called rice or something. Hmm. They were rough. Oh, yeah, like white on rice couple or something like that? That was it. And yeah. they went very... But there was suddenly this quite slick, extraordinary photography yeah. coming in. But it was mm. interesting because even then I remember as much as I admired some of those... I mean, it was, it was like learning. It was learning on the job. We all, as I say, we all did tens and tens, of, hundreds of hours, didn't we? And there was oh, some yeah. wonderful... Yeah, it was. And learn how to edit. And, of course, you can... 
you, yeah, it was a, a good and creative time. And, then I, and now I still, all those things that I learned about structure or storytelling or, sure. or humour, or, which is often... Well, and, and how to edit yourself, too. How to yeah. keep it simple and get to the point when you need to. I mean, sometimes I like to ramble, but more and more I'm, I'm interested in concise language just because, you know, I and everybody else are all overburdened with information. And so you really need to, you can't waste people's time because they'll just, they'll click away. Yeah. And just, and yeah, finding your, finding, finding your style and finding your, your place, your, Mm -hmm. I mean, the word isn't, it's like niche, but finding where you are. I always, I was, and so, but what was interesting, I think that then that was when I realized when I started the blog was going well. There was people who were starting to be interested in me writing a book. Oh, that was interesting because quite, quite a few people said to me, oh, it was exactly the same time as the Eat, Pray, Love woman. Right. We must have come to Rome at about the same time. Mm. Although I, well, why would I? But, but quite a lot of people said to me, oh, like, write a memoir about, you know, about your experiences. And then uh, the other 50% of me, people said, please don't. Mm. <laughs> please save us that. But everyone said stick to the kind of food and the, and the history and the geography with the kind of personal narrative. Mm-hmm. But I think at that point when I... So I had huge amounts of material. I had probably almost a book. Mm-hmm. I developed a style, whether you liked it or not. It was kind of a personal narrative, but there was plenty of history and geography. All the things I like, you know. I mean, I remember reading food writing as a, as a young woman, really reading it. A, everyone used to go off to Italy and have a kind of almost biblical revelation, but that's right. fine. Right. Um, you do, don't you? But also um, the, you know, the, the, um, it, I, the writing I really liked was, was, was lovely writing, engaging writing, yeah. often with nice storytelling, because mm-hmm. what do you remember? Yeah, good characters. But then plenty, but then plenty of, of history and geography. Mm-hmm. So I just was, so actually I, I had all this and I realised I had enough material for a book. And then I realised that I had, I did have some skills and maybe mm-hmm. it was then that I thought, well, you're right, it was, it's a, res, it was a resourceful, all the things that I'd learned to come together from kind of script writing to... Yeah, it's always funny to me how... Well, how many people I know who've had a similar... I mean, the trajectories are all completely different, but one way or another, we all are sort of training for the job that we want, even if we don't know that we want it yet. Because we follow this and we, you know, you get good at photography and you really work on writing. You know, and they feel good, right? These, yeah. are, these are muscles that, are, that feel good to exercise, right? Yeah. So we keep doing it and we get quite fit at these things. Yeah. And then before you know it, there's, you meet some person or you can move to a new place and, and there's this confluence and things click into place. But you realize you actually did a lot of work to build it. You yeah. didn't just fall ass backwards into something. You've been prepping for years to get to a place. And, and that's always amazing to me that on some level we're much smarter than we, than we are in our heads. You know, because yeah. we sort of do this work to prepare ourselves, even if it's a complete mystery and surprise when it happens. Yeah, well, um, yeah, well it is. It, well, I mean, it is, it is like getting muscles, isn't it? And then you, as I say, I've just written something now for, you know, for the first time, and I suddenly realised that I was having to use completely different muscles hmm. as you kind of wrestle with ideas. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It, 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 it is interesting. I and mean, I still say to anyone I meet, we'll start. You know, start a blog and start that. I mean, we were lucky as well because we did have that very that community, and it was very. Um, I'm sure, it maybe exists in other places, but it was a quite. What we did back then seems quite laborious compared to the very quick forms of kind of social. I mean, people were really producing very. There was loads of rubbish, but there was some brilliant writing, and, there and was. people. Re- and I re- and I and I I still pitch. You know, you include, I still have people like that I really aim to be like 
people who were writing rigorously good stuff, whether it was personal or not at all, didn't kind of matter. I liked a bit of it all. Yeah. But, you know, that the people who had a very, very clear style, people that you knew were incredibly self-critical, the people were really, really working hard. Like, as I say, I've like been on creative writing courses and it, it's not, it doesn't touch on the kind of work that people were putting in. Like you say, hours and hours and hours yeah. and hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is very and and it, and it's and it crossed the board isn't it you look at you know you look at people like who have different styles but here in Rome you, know, you look at people who have been successful and the everything that has in common and it's such a trope now isn't it when i work very hard i hate that everyone works hard doctors work hard sure. you know and save life in the process but the idea is yes you do you work and and continue to work and and whether it's a more kind of commercial what am i saying i mean i'm just rambling on no 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 it's <laughs> true though because because we we but it is different now because because people for the most part don't read blogs except some super established uh, almost entirely recipe centered blogs and now it's mostly just double tapping to like something and maybe leaving a couple emojis as a as a comment you know i mean it really is a different the, the level of discourse um you know, back in the good old days, we would leave each other comments that tended to be written in prose, you know, at the end of a piece that could easily be 1,500 or 2,000 words that somebody really put some work into, like you said, even if it was just recounting a particular dinner or or something. Sometimes it was 300 words. It doesn't, didn't really matter. But, but there was a, you know, the discourse was definitely in prose 10 years ago, eight years ago, five years ago. And And now it's not. Yeah, and strong personalities, weren't there? If you look at people like Molly taking her an example, who continues to be, she's very charismatic. Mm-hmm. You know, you really knew about people's lives. I mean, I looked forward to, to blog posts with people in the way that you'd looked forward to an episode of soap opera or... Yeah. You know, the best writing was very... Yeah, it was kind of... It was, it was compul... You know, comp- like, it was those, like... Those were was, the nicest compliments I got, where people said, oh, you put up a new post, I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I did. I mean, I did. All of you, you'd get, you'd get you know, you'd get... Um, Claudia, you'd get the, yeah. and I had all these different people, and also that did, you know, different, to say, you know, different kind of things. We were, Louise, they went, yeah, it's, inter- it's really interesting, isn't it? But I say, yes, that's the common, very, very kind of charismatic. I think, I think the point for me, what's interesting now is when I look at, you know, there's so much food writing, isn't there? And there's kind of everywhere of many different sorts. But take the kind of slightly more narrative driven one. But it, it, it is interesting who, who, who you really want to read. Mm-hmm. And, and almost without an exception, the, 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 those writers have a, like I suppose a good, any good writer, have a, very, have a very kind of distinct and strong and quite charismatic personality. Mm-hmm. So, even if they're, so even if they're like, you know, there's some people that really isn't, aren't my cup of tea that are incredibly kind of personal, usually, usually women that I've read, yeah. revealing a lot about their family and their feelings and growing yeah. But even if it's not my cup of tea at all, it's 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 very engaging. It's very yeah. it's quite, you know there's something quite so popular about, and I mean that in kind of good and yeah. Good and bad well, it's it's, a, it's another installment of this ongoing series, right? Yeah. And you want to find out what happens next. Yeah, and I think that's very. I suppose it does carry on. I mean, it's not like a, I suppose it does to a certain extent carry on with with um in kind of columns or books or right. Well, because now because you don't. I mean, you haven't posted like you don't really write blog posts anymore, right? Because you have a weekly column and yeah. you have like you're working on your third book and all this so you know you have your hours are kind of spoken and you have a child so um you know and i barely write mine in general now when i update it it's just to promote another trip like the one i'm here for or, or something else you know or occasionally it's yeah it's kind of the thrill is gone in a certain way it's yeah. it's moved on the landscape has shifted 
Um, Although I'm, I'm wondering whether I'm going to go... I think we should all go back to the blogs. I sort of feel that way too sometimes. Yeah. I, wonder I miss if, it. I wonder whether they're... Um, uh, I think I'm going to start using it. Michelle, who, you know, a kind of mutual friend, has yes. said that you use it slightly differently. Go on and write just a few things or... I think I've become quite self-conscious. And you're writing well, for... Yeah, isn't it funny? Me too. I'm just like, really? Do I want to put that out there? Yeah. It's, I'm torn now between that, which is weird because I've written so many, so many blog posts... Um, but also like, oh, do I want to put the effort into something that's just going to be free? But it's all, I've always done that, right? Mm-hmm. I yeah. hardly get paid for anything. So, you know, I mean, it, it's in the writing department these days. So like, why the hell not? Like who, what, I don't know. I've gotten so like weirdly wrapped up in my own shit that I can't just I like relax and write a fucking blog post, you know, when I want to. Maybe a bit more. I'm certainly more, I'm certainly self-conscious. I mean, writing for the paper was kind of good for me in a way that it, yeah. that it, it, it maybe kind of take it lean I think my writing's a bit leaner than it used to be well it also, right. got, it also got you an audience yeah and, and working with working with an editor yeah. but I think I think things are I mean I, I mean I think where the that some of the most interesting writing is 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 people have done books haven't they but I think it is interesting that this move towards long reads so some of the best writing mm. you know, I mean to call it food writing is, is kind of so limiting because it isn't isn't it? it's about everything but yeah. I, 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 I think we're seeing a move in many ways even though we've moved away from blogging and that kind of longer form writing, in one sense we ha- it gets less and less. But in another sense, there is a move. I think the very best writing is going into yeah into long reads. So, and- so the the book came first, right? The first book, the Quinto Quarto, came first, right? Yes. And how many years into the blog was that? I did that book in about eight years. I think I'd written my blog for about eight years. Because mm-hmm. the book came out in. What was it? Oh, fifteen. It was fifty. The first book was fifteen. Was that late? I thought it was before that. Yeah, 15. Okay. So I finished it in 14. Yeah, so I'd been blogging for, for 7, yeah. 8, right, so 9, and you are, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 7 years. Yeah, that's okay. So you, you built and a pretty good audience. Well, yeah. and it was, you were lucky too because there, weren't, there wasn't really another, at least as far as I know, there wasn't another British expat in Rome. You sort of were the woman on the ground here and helped, I think, a lot of people understand cooking and, and move beyond what you... Um, you also adorably call spag ball, right? Yeah. Which was sort of the one Italian dish that any self-respecting Brit could probably churn out, you know, on yeah. a Sunday afternoon. Um, and you, I think, really helped a lot of people move past that and get into some much more, you know, authentic. I'm using scare quotes around that because it's a word that gets, uh, it does a lot of work these days. Yeah, it does. Um, but, but I thought, I, actually, that was the thing about, you know, about, um, again, this piece I've just written all about kind of the way foreigners talk about Italian food. It was really interesting going back and looking at, um, from novels and books, but from, I remember from about 14, like main characters often went off to Italy to mm-hmm. like solve something. Well, isn't it kind they? of like all the Westerners who go to India to study yoga? Yeah. Italy's like, you go and have, well, she, I mean, well, I mean, she, whatever, whatever she is called, the lady who wrote that, you yeah. know, she didn't eat, she kind of ate in Italy, she prayed in wherever and she, mm-hmm. or was yeah, that, we, she should have, we should start a food ashram here. Yeah, we should. Uh, but all, always in books. And I, funny enough, I went through all my cookbooks. So um, from everything from kind of high to look, Nigella Lawson and Jamie Oliver in the River Cafe and all these English food writers. Yeah. And everyone without exception, even even very pragmatic Delia Smith, who was yeah. the kind of like everybody talks in near religious terms about Italy. Everyone had some sort of kind of biblical revelation there. Yeah. In fact, there's a lot of very heavenly language about Italy. You know, Nigella kind of goes there and like has 
heavenly tongue or blissful or kind of transcendent or or transcendent or or and revelations again and again and again like and olive oil is holy and yeah. sofrito is the holy trinity but all this but it was so interesting to go in this language and I came and and I did you know I mean I kind of mimicked I did that but then of course you do we've talked about this you do you come here and you do find all those cliches those overwrought cliches about Italy mm-hmm. and you know grandma's giving you advice at market and rules about cappuccino and right, right, right. but i i came and they they're all they're all true of course you know they're much more complicated than yes, that they but, are. but it's um but it's a kind of it's interesting that i don't know where i started with that where where where, <laughs> what where do we start said, i don't know where that started well i mean I, I was asking you about the book and i and i think um oh that was you you were asking me about cooking in rome yes right. i think i did i i did think i was i was quite isolated in the beginning, it was a, quite a shock to find that Rome is very busy yeah. with foreigners writing about Italian food, which is completely separate from Italians writing about food. I mean, mm-hmm. Italians write about food in a completely different way, except the ones that are writing for a foreign market. Yeah. You know, it's a completely different. But Rome is busy. It's yeah. really busy. And then within it, of course, it has maybe don't put this. Of course, it has its hierarchy. Of course. About like who's been who you know, who has the right to write. And of course, there's a lot of Italian-Americans here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're kind of like, you know, if your great-great-great-great-great-grandmother was from kind of from Abruzzo, that kind of gives you like a direct light. You know, there's all that kind of, there's all that goes on in Rome. Mm-hmm. But it's, but it's a good, incre- but it's again, so I, so I kind of met all of that. But really, I mean, still people, I know what essentially, as we've said before, kind of sell. I mean, essentially, what you, we're all selling something. Mm. We're selling a book or a, or a magazine, or a column, or a tour. Mm-hmm. You know, we're selling a way in, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's the book. But the book, yeah, the book was my first book, and the second book was Sicily. So, because I've always spent a lot of time there as well. Right, and you and you were there before you met Vincenzo. You went to Sicily. That was your first real, des- your first destination. So you mm-hmm. you kind of glommed onto Sicily just because I mean it's a magic place. It's just glorious, and it, mm-hmm. and it does have a lot in common um, physically with Greece. Um, yeah, the way I mean, it looks and feels and smells and the, what it, how it dries out and gets all brown and exactly and yes. Um, so you had a connection to Sicily before you actually had a literal connection to Sicily. Well, how far I forget when you met him. I met really quickly, far too, quite very quick, like really annoyingly, like almost within a couple of months. Oh wow, okay. Of being here, we've met and we'd yeah. So you Which, started going to Sicily with him fairly early then. Yes, he was touring, and because he plays, he's a musician. Yeah. So we, and that's where I did some really good eating. And, and that, again, was kind of really useful in those early mm. days. We did lots sort of traveling. I was kind of blogging, but not really. Mm-hmm. Again, it was quite nice that kind of that those first few years, I did lots of things. We traveled a lot around Italy. So I was kind of, but always dipping in. No, not, I suppose I, I know Roman food quite well. I always, I was really aware of focus. Again, this same friend that told me to start a blog, told me to like stay focused. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit like the kind of writing advice that you get, you know, focus on the detail. Yeah. And don't worry about like telling the big story, but you know, tell, tell the, you know, the teeny detail, like talk about that bit of cheese and, and you know, and the zowler on the plate and the knife, you know, and then, and then, and so I really did focus very tightly on Rome, but I had a kind of sense of Italy. And then I think what's been interesting, again, like talk about pieces of things coming together again, I suppose it's writing, is that I'm still astounded at how, you know, food and culture is all, is, is kind of ever present here and, and, uh, and how, we always get this feeling when we go to Sicily and we get there and it's usually kind of early summer, so it's hot. Yeah. And it, it's all, everything feels on a kind of parallel plane in Sicily. So we live in, we have a house in a really industrial town where it's literally a tale of two cities. So the kind of 
the, the very recent agricultural past, which yeah. has, you know, and, 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 and the kind of terrible industrialization and modernization. And, and literally. Because there's a big oil refinery there yeah. or something, right? Yeah, it's made this very. But, you know, literally you can see both. So you've got kind of ancient mill next to McDonald's. It's like it's so, it's so apparent. But, but, it, but, but also in a sense of like 2,000 years worth of history. Yeah. And also in food, you know, you know this from Mumba, but in Sicily, you're, I'm so aware of being able to see everything all at once. I mean, anywhere you go, you've probably got a kind of, I don't know, a vine. A grape, a, yeah. you know, a fig tree, a nut tree. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a, I don't know, a petrol station. You've got all that. It's all there for you to see. And I have this great sense of, 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 of kind of food and place. And and I think it. And what it helped me do in turn was was think completely differently about English food. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, coming to Italy, well, just can think about it more. Think about it in terms of kind of food and culture and context. Yeah. You always need to dwell, you know, dwell on that. But think about, suddenly think about why, how much we lost, I suppose, 200 years ago in industrialisation. Yeah. How, how, what a different, you know, what a different relationship we have with our food for, for good and bad. Sure. You know, how immigration has, you know, has changed the face of, because of the way that British food was, why kind of, you know, you know, it's been changed by immigration and, 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 and immigrants and, and, and people travelling. When my family come from, you know, we're Irish and Eastern European, mm-hmm. you know. So what I'm going to say very clumsily, and you can edit all of this, but, you know, is, is say that it, it's helped me think about, think about English food in a completely different way. Yeah. And, well, and also, I mean, during the period that you were here, um, that's approximately the period in which English food really grew up and also like you had um fergus was sort of harkening back to this kind of great lost art of so many different kinds of like you were saying quinto cuarto mm-hmm. right organ meat and and um meat pies and all sorts of you know very english or british things mm-hmm. um but also the globalization of of uh you know sort of state of the art food had started to come home too. And so you had, you know, Heston's molecular Mm -hmm. stuff and you had, I mean, Marco Pierre White was the youngest chef to ever get uh, star three stars, right? Yes. Um, So you had a lot of talent, you had media saturation and coverage in real time of this global explosion of high end, clever cooking. Mm -hmm. So you had, I think, um, you know, cause my dad was, it, from England, he 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 was born in Birmingham in in thirty five, so he grew up during the war and rationing. Of course, yeah. Um, and had, I mean, he was hands down, no exaggeration, the single worst cook I have ever known in my life. But he could eat. He ate everything. He was very curious. His palate was super curious and adventurous. Mm-hmm. As a young man, a broke man in in uh, London, he lived on cheap curry because it was the cheapest food he could get. And it was fiercely hot mm-hmm. because it wasn't being made for white people at the time. And uh, he loved it. Couldn't get enough of spicy food, all kinds of like any flavor from anywhere in the world. He was all over it. He just could not cook literally to save his life. It was horrendous. Yeah. So I think something happened to his neural pathways when he was a child because they were reusing tea bags and, and were lucky if they could, you know, somebody could shoot a rabbit. That was, you know, a huge yeah. event. Um, but I think like when you were here and when we were both writing, I mean, English, British food really just flipped completely upside down and became something exciting and people were traveling to eat there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that's kind of a terrific timing in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think also just people starting to 
again, this is all very unformed. It's something I, you know, I, I think about a lot about about the kind of our relationship with food. Like looking, you know, so so, so, so looking at how Italians are about food. I mean, so if I've just been in Bologna, you know, for, for the week for the, for a couple of days, and you yeah. know, people, you know, kind of entrenched in kind of local ingredients, local product. So there's a sense of history in everything anybody eats. Um, and that's including, you know, I mean, they love the, in Bolo, the Bolognese. They use loads and loads and loads of um, candied cedro, mm-hmm. which is obviously from Sicily, and you know, yeah. kind of all the citrus fruit bought by the Arabs, and lots of spices. And but you know, there's this real sense of of of, of kind of, of of living history in food. So again, there's lots of immigrants in the food. You know, they talk about the kind of tomatoes coming much later. But this real sense, and and then of course this real pride in in in. In, in thing, which of course is a kind of marketing exercise. You know, it's, it's been something that's been cultivated and yeah. it's cultivated all the time. I see it with my kid here. You know, you just, Italians learn about food in a different way, mm-hmm. you know, for, for good and bad. I mean, you know, and, 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 and you know, and the myths and the stories, but, it's, but this great sense of where you are and what you eat and how you eat it um, here. And, and then I think it made me reflect on England and the fact that we, we kind of don't have that in the same way, but actually we do. In much more examples, I mean, actually... The, yes, they were asking me about mum. I think about my mum. My mum's a good cook, but you know, there's certain things in England that people, marmalade, for example. Yeah. A lot of people make marmalade. Sure. You know, I mean, in Italy, you often find people still really kind of attached to those. Somebody in the family's making, you know, oil and tomatoes and right, marmalade right. and bread and this great sense of, of, of kind of place and, and identity through the food. We have little bits of it in England. I just, because we just, we, we lost it, didn't we? It wasn't that we didn't have nice ingredients probably probably english and italian food especially pre pre tomatoes and potatoes and aubergines was 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 very similar i mean mm. it was you know it was grains and roots and greens and hearth breads and and, and then of course wonderful cheeses and puddings and yeah. you know when did we when at what point did we become divorced from this and really not have a sense you know, italians say to me all the time oh you know like, you know, the, the kind of cliche about not eating good food. And I kind of then reinforce it by saying, well, you know, no. Like, you know, but actually, where is our sense of pride in, in these, like, like, glorious products that we produce in England? Yeah. I think, I think, I think, so I think there was this wave of, of kind of, I mean, like, people like Ferbers, you know, wonderful. But I think there is also this kind of groundswell of people starting to recognise, like, the riches that we have and yeah. and have some pride in them because for all our kind of arrogance and little island mentality and people can English people can kind of kind of say they're proud but I, I think there's quite been quite a lot of sh- I can I this right shame about food among the English I certainly carry shame which is ridiculous mm. like apologizing you know the opposite is I mean Vincenzo you know my partner such pride yeah and not just pride in his food but like the whole of Italy yeah. look at us you know yeah so it's so I wonder whether we're starting to certainly that's made me you know, think and, and kind of consider and also just see how we're all so, so interrelated. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, I wish I'd been taught, you know, about peaches and tomatoes at school. I would have, maybe I would have taken my A-levels. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah, I would Everything worked out pretty well. You know, well. The state, you know, the States, you know, it's the, so it's just... Yeah, I mean, we, we, we are a, I mean, certainly politically speaking, we're grotesquely immature, but, but, um, and we're all, the whole world's paying for it now, but um, there were pockets certainly on the coasts and in the big cities and in college towns of um, really high quality food and certainly lots lots and lots of different kinds of immigrant food because it's America. So any city worth the name would have 
it might not all have been excellent, but you could certainly expect to get Thai and Vietnamese and Indian and Caribbean and, you know, the, you take your pick from almost anywhere in any city of, of any size going back decades and decades. So we had that. We had that baseline um, global community, and I think that helped. But, I mean, it was really only in the 80s and 90s that, that America started to figure stuff out and people started to understand the importance of ingredients and the importance of, you know, it took Alice Waters, you know, um, to teach Americans how to cook. And granted, she lives in, you know, one of the most fertile and beautiful parts of the country, but it took, you know, it was, she led a revolution by teaching Americans to cook with things that grow in America, it was, mm. you know, yeah. preferably nearby. Mm. And if you live in California, that's really easy. And other places, you know, have to, you know, still ship things in in the winter. But uh, and now, like, you know, it's like there are now sort of, I, she's whatever age she is. So there are now people who quite literally could be her grandchildren, but her, certainly her spiritual grandchildren who are now, you know, pushing the hipster envelope ever further and ever further. And now the country, like, it's falling all over itself trying to out hipster and out um, local Mm-hmm. itself everybody yeah. you know it's now it's like an arms race to see and and so now the tasting menu has collapsed and been replaced by a much more home cooking kind of model and mm. and you know foraged everything mm-hmm. and and you know but you know the uk also because you have such a mild climate you know i follow accounts and they're already finding morels you know yeah, yeah, yeah. in in england and i'm you know and there's six inches of snow outside my front door still you know so uh that you, you have the climate, you have the access to all these other countries that are right next door. Um, and there is a really long history. You also, and like you were saying, you know, cheese, beer, cider, there is a lot of absolutely world-class British product that never was diluted or, or bastardized or, or forgotten. I think the whole boiled meat and potato thing, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but, you know, it... it uh, it's very much a thing in big parts of my country too. Yeah, I just think yeah, it is. Well, I mean, it sounds so again. It sounds so such a wet, doesn't it? To say like we just you know we just all we need to continue kind of learning and thriving from one another. I mean, I, I, I again again I look you know I do you 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 kind of feel critical of things, don't you? Like this, yes, this kind of over over hipstering of things, or like I went and I went for a meal once by these you know fantastic young chefs like that. You know they had forage. They had foraged. It was so foraged, yeah. you know. I mean, it was extraordinary. It was a really, you know, it was a wonderful... And part of me kind of felt, oh, but actually, like, it's fucking great. I mean, if it's making people... If it's making us think about what we're eating. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's... it's in, I think there are interesting times, though, isn't it? Because there's so... The food is fascinating. And, and, um, and I can only, like... I can only feel kind of happy to be part of this... Of this, of, of, of this kind of dynamic world. There's a lot of... At the moment, of course, there are a lot of discussions about kind of appropriation and who gets to write about what, yeah. and, and also this kind of elitism. You know, I mean, I am the absolute sitting cliche. You know, I'm a middle-aged, middle-class white woman from England who went to Italy, had a revelation, and wrote about it. You know, I'm kind of in many ways, I'm a sitting duck. Yeah, but you own it too. I mean, yeah. you're happy about it. It's yeah. fine. But I kind of, but I know it, and I'm sometimes accused of being a bit elitist and and you know, or romantic. Or, yeah, well, just you know, just just read yeah. just read yeah. literally yeah. anything yeah. that I've ever written, yeah. and you'll exactly. feel better about yourself. Yeah, you know, and it's good. It's good for to be challenged about that, and it's good to be challenged about how you know we kind of we we need to be thinking about stuff, don't we? But around food, we have to be we have to be thinking. It isn't that there's a kind of answer. 
all the kind of amazing stuff the academy with kind of Alice and the kind of Chez Panisse and, and this way of eating you is the kind of exclusive everything's a kind of co- code and language isn't it things become exclusive and then we have to open them up again and mm-hmm. blow them out of the water and you know and I think we need to be thinking about fast food and industrial food yeah. and you know all yeah. these things it's all just part of it which is why now as a food writer I feel I feel excited yeah about the thing and you're right I don't want to start I'm not going to try and be a politician but I do think that you know we, we're in such a we're in such it's such a great position to be in to be exploring it so is. many aspects of eating and and ultimately in Bologna my friend Francesca you know proud Bolognese but you know just couldn't couldn't stop telling me about you know the Arabs and the Spanish arriving and the kind of you know the Tunisians I've been writing about couscous you know the kind okay. of Arab dynasty coming yeah. through Tunisia yeah. you know you just it's it, it it it's what we need to be thinking about yeah. because we we are all we're absolutely interrelated and in everything yeah. we put in our mouth you know? oh absolutely no I mean I mean especially this part of the world I mean how many thousands of years do you want to go back right because the further back you set the clock there's an entirely different bunch of people. Yeah. living here and doing what they do and they all left their marks I mean you were talking about um, southern Sicily I spent a summer on an archaeological dig outside of Licata which is just down the road from, oh yeah from, from us yeah and, and um, uh, you know you mentioned there's a, so there are Greek temples in Agrigento next door um, and you're talking about 2,000 years the, that little um, early Bronze Age village that we were uh, mapping um, was 2,000 years before that it was 4,000 years old you know so who own ownership? I mean, these yeah. concepts are who can write about it? Well, I'm zero percent Italian, right? And I've written a fair amount about Italian food. I, I'm okay with that. I think I cook it pretty well. I mean, I, I, I would, you know, if I were going to say write something about Jamaican beef patties, I would be very, very careful about how I framed it. Mm-hmm. And I would make sure to consult with a lot of people who are actually Jamaican yeah. um, and make sure that it was their words in their words were coming yeah. through my article, you know, right? because. I'm not equipped or qualified and, and I have no cultural experience making or eating um, Jamaican food. So it's not a piece that I would be a good fit for, obviously. But I just think that having come here and done the time and writing in such a personal way mm-hmm. um, and even photographing too, like you all, I love, you know, that series that you just kept photographing your sink, right? And what's, what are you washing? <laughs> and what, what greens is Rachel washing in her I sink know. today? Yeah. And, but it was, but that's exactly the kind of like fourth wall breaking media content, whatever, that really does let people in because you were showing them your life as you lived it. And so mm-hmm. you were building your skills and your experience, but you were also in the process without trying to do so, like we were talking about before, where you do the work before you quite understand why you're doing the work, mm-hmm. you also made yourself an authority. And you did so because you did it for all the right reasons and it came from all the right place, which was your life as you were living it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the difference. I think, you know, if you, you know, if you need to use the word authentic, that's the way that I choose to use it because it is an authentic expression of you who did the work to get where you are, and therefore I would read anything you wrote about Italian food, and I would believe you and know that it would work in my yeah. kitchen. Yeah. Does that make except, sense? Yeah, except maybe the polpette from last week in the Guardian. Well, I'm sure. Very, yeah. I mean, very look, like, stuff, I things do yeah. fail, right? I think, I think yeah. I, well, I mean, I, and it's a question I ask myself a lot about, about, about writing about Italian food or anybody writing about anything. Mm-hmm. Fact, you know, what do you, what do you, um, and who does, again, who does have the right... You know who gets to write about what, and there's a lot of gatekeepers at the moment, aren't there? Yeah, you know, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of gatekeepers telling us what we can and we can't do. And I mean, I mean that. I mean, I mean that. In, I'm not. Again, that's not a criticism. It's just. It's just observing what's happening. You know, and um, 
but it's again it's like my grandma used to say watch your words Rachel you know yeah. like watch what comes out of your mouth you know because you're I speak as you can see very quickly mm-hmm. and I was thinking that with writing like watch your words like be careful what you're writing and actually I read lots and lots of people writing about Italian food from lots of points of view with different levels of experience and I write you know I read you know I read Italians writing about Italian food or Italians who've left or you know and and you know and foreigners who've been here a month and foreigners who've been here you know 50 years it's interesting you know it's all it's all valid it's what what's what's important is how how it's framed and how it's the words you choose about it, you can, you know, I read something the other day written by somebody who's obviously been in Italy about six months. I mean, I felt quite cross when I first read it. Yeah. And then I realised I was quite envious. Mm. I mean, I, I, you know, I missed that. It was, it was delightful. It was very... Still the honeymoon period very where naive, everything was magic. Very naive, yeah. but actually, and my first impression was there, but actually I went back and read it and she's a nice writer mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful piece. And it... And, and I hope lots and lots of people read it, you know, because it's really, it's her six months. And as I say, actually, I was a bit envious. Yeah. I was envious of, of like that, of A, her, you know, the fact that I don't, I can't write like that anymore because I've been here a longer time and the kind of cynicism that comes in. And, yeah, but you don't come yeah. off as jaded or cynical. You just, you've lived here for a really long time. And yeah. so you know the ins and outs and you know the dark side and the... You know, the, the wretched political it, yeah. ongoing, you know, talk about 2,000 years, right? I mean, yeah. the government here and has been... And don't know stuff as well. You know, just well, there's yeah. loads I don't know. And sure. I think it's... Um, and I think that that's the other thing as well, isn't it? It's interesting. I think, I think that's, you know, that's... We need to return to a bit of that, don't we? It's interesting, isn't it? You know, somebody... Again, you know, I'm, often people comment on my Guardian column and it's like it's been quite... It's quite tense times with kind of Brexit. I always feel like the Brexit comments are quite moderated and people like, people like bleed into my column and get cross. But, you know, my first, you know, I make mistakes or yeah. I spell things wrong or, yeah. or, or, you know, or there's something in there or, and it's, it's interesting. It's often people, other expats who've been in Italy longer than me, but then I kind of think you get defensive and I think, well, no, actually this is all just, it should be like a conversation at the table. You know, think of Italians sitting around a table yeah. kind of, you know, criticizing each other and actually we need to be, that's one thing I'd like to see around kind of writing in general is a kind of less aggressively antagonistic, yeah. more people apologising, yeah. more people learning from each other, which I think was what, what we had in blogs. We did. There, yeah. was, there was, but you know, uh, yes, there were many fewer trolls back then, but also we weren't all permanently angry. Um, mm-hmm. A lot has happened in the last few years mm-hmm. to make, in, in your country and even I think worse in mine, um, where I think on some level we are all permanently on edge and, mm. and very, very quick to anger because we're all traumatized. I mean, those of us yeah. who are moral people, you know, baseline, who have some, you know, baseline human decency, mm-hmm. I think we are angry all the time because everything's moving in the wrong direction, certainly at the large, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the large scale, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, your country is busy cutting off its nose despite its face, you know, at the clear behest of a, of a, of a foreign enemy, you know. Who, right, it's, and it's we we elected, you know, a frigging mole. Yeah, no, absolutely, no. It's, so yeah. it, no, and I think you. I think people. I think people are angry. But just, go, but it's an interesting question. It is an interesting question about how you. I mean, you know, you. I think. Say, I read lots and lots of people who write about Italy. You've been coming to Italy for years. You know, it's been it's been a way you pass great. You know, you pass long periods of time and have been. You know, since our first real contact was probably over like Carciofi al Romano. Almost certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, you were eating it as a young man. So those. You know, I think, again, you know, we've talked about this. You're very respectful in the way that you write about Italian food. You know, it's, uh, I, just, I mean, I think, I think it's important, isn't it? But, it, but anyway, but for, it's so important, though. I mean, I, I don't really have any time for any sort of, like, 
dogmatic or, 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 or kind of take or moral high ground on food. I mean, like, you know, I sometimes do it. I find it myself as well. You know, now 14 years and, I, and I'm quite careful about what I write and I feel I have my rights and I see people making mistakes or spelling mistakes or think, who are you to write about Italian food? And actually, it's always me. It's always yeah. my. And there's lots of room for people to write. And actually, some of the best writing about Italy, again, people who've just arrived, those kind of, those first impressions, you know, that's where the most beautiful writing comes in. What, but what I, what, I, what I don't tolerate is any sort of moral high ground in food writing. And I include myself in that. And then, of course, you know, there's a lot of... Um, what's the word when you're... Um, the kind of false modesty? Oh, false modesty works pretty well. I don't know. But like humble bragging? Is yes. Just, that's the one? Yeah. yeah. And, and also being very careful of kind of... And this is me being very careful of kind of ownership, possessing things. Right. You know... I think there's a lot of, I just think... But again, it's just watching your words, isn't it? Writing. The very nicest writing is like, it kind of wears these things lightly. Of course, you have to own something to write about it. You sure. have your experience. But, but also, you know, I you're mean... Care, you're good at this. Well, I, I mean, look, there's no question that I am writing for an audience of people, you know, like you were saying, like, it, 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 to be able to cook as much food for yourself as I do presupposes that you, that you, uh, you are not poor, frankly. Um, because nobody who's poor has enough free time to procure and prepare ingredients, you know, the way that I do, because I have, I mostly work at home and, uh, have a big garden. Um, so everything you were saying earlier about, you know, about politics, the real challenge is to get national legislative policy that is more conducive to, I, I mean, I read something really good about this recently, if you want more Americans to be able to eat the way that you and I eat, mm -hmm. you need to start with national health care and family leave. Yeah. Which have nothing to do with food at first, except that when you don't, when you have health insurance, um, and so you don't go bankrupt if you get sick, when you can take time off to have a child or care for a parent or something like that, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden your, your uh, level of freedom goes up, the level of economic stress goes down, you have a little more disposable income, you have a, maybe an extra hour in the day, um, maybe your childcare is also included, you know, in some way, or your child's school is free, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you start to remove that kind of economic pressure, say if you need to take out a loan, um, you're, you're paying a reasonable interest rate, right? Mm -hmm. It's not some crippling usury from a credit card or a payday lender. Um, and the poorer you get, the higher the interest rates go. Mm -hmm. So you get locked. It's incredibly expensive to be poor, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And the only way to really change food for everybody is to go after the bigger things that have nothing up on the surface to do with food. Mm -hmm. but all of which connects to quality and stability of life. And so you and I are not politicians. And, you know, we can advocate, but that's not really our wheelhouse, frankly. And so for me, uh, for better or worse, um, I, I will take your compliment, which you just paid me about how I am, you know, respectful and, and, and right from a place of sincerity. Um, I do that because I believe that pleasure is by far the most powerful motivator of human behavior. And so if I can teach even a few people to make food for themselves that makes their eyes widen in delight and say, mm -hmm. holy shit, this is one of the best things I've ever made or mm -hmm. eaten, which is the kind of epiphany that you talk about people coming here and having, mm -hmm. 
Um, so if you can do that at home, wherever you live, with something that you grew in your front yard or that you picked up down the road from the farmer's market every week, you know, whatever, um, and you can come home and deliver that sensory, sensory stimulus to your brain mm-hmm. um, with your hands using this produce that you got, then with any luck, you will always have that as the new baseline for what something should taste like. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think a lot of things can follow from an experience like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of ways to live, a lot of choices. Um, and yeah, it's a tiny thing, but it happens to be something that I'm good at and people respond positively to. And I sort of feel like that's the direction you kind of have to go. I mean, I, that's yeah. sort of what you're going to. People start to say, wow, you're really good at this. You know? Yeah, yeah. And well, I'm, I'm, I must, yeah. It, in fact, there's um, there's a in this in this book that I've been reading a lot of this um, Luigi Barzini, who's writing in the 1960s. He mm-hmm. writes about he writes about the Italians. And I'll show you when we go back home. It's interesting. There's some interesting bits about about foreigners writing about Italy. But he but he a, a thing that comes up again and again about the kind of Italian nature is this kind of the pursuit of pleasure, the kind of pleasures of the tables, mm-hmm. which is again, you know, is something again, you know. My God, I feel I always have to have a clause saying I don't want to romanticise. But this kind of this, I do think that eating is more democratic in Italy. Yeah. And it's it's riddled with problems and contradictions, and not everyone is eating well. But by and large, much more. And it's about, as you say, it's this, it's the pleasure that's derived from. But how can we? Yeah. So where do you start? You start by, by by doing by doing what you do, which is, yeah. I mean, you know, it's and I, it, it, which is which is making something to eat every day and sitting at yeah. the table and, and, and enjoying it. And well, and like, for example, you, you, the book you're working on now, right? The, which is um, pasta, right? And it's fresh and dried, right? Mm, yes, Most, um, mostly dried. Mostly dried, but there is some fresh, you said, because you were just yeah, up learning yes. how to roll it out and, um, and make tortellini. And, and so for me, like, imagine, if you will, one of your fans back home who has now, um, thanks to, you know, these modern times, access to really good fresh pasta from some Italian mm-hmm. deli down the road, right? Mm-hmm. In the high street, they can go and get tortellini that are mm-hmm. quite good, right? Mm-hmm. And they can dump those in boiling water and, and have them. But imagine them reading you saying, you know, it really is experientially valuable to roll out a sheet and do this with your family yeah. on a Sunday and then have them together. And imagine, like, you know, you convert one person to that new ritual and all of a sudden then their kids start to learn it. Yeah. Right at the kitchen table, yeah. and you never know how these things are going to ripple outwards. But I would say that that's an absolute good. Anybody who makes the conversion to buying the the plastic container of pasta, even yeah. very good fresh pasta, oh, I think it's yeah. rolling it out yeah. yourself. I, I think, think that's good. Do, um, this is something we haven't talked about. God, like missing the most important thing. I mean, that was the other thing about writing. I mean, I I felt you know I mean I'm a, I'm a pretty capable cook. Yeah. I always have cooked a lot, but it, but I did I did rather predictably have my revelation when I came here and it you know it, I mean Italian food is again I didn't really know very much about it but I I mean I, I had a very kind of generic idea of Italian food which was based on my my you know my uncle's wife's sister mm-hmm. who was going out with Dino who was a kind of Neapolitan they had an Italian restaurant in in Leeds I mean mm-hmm. it was you know it was Czech tablecloths with Grissini biscuits and and it was a kind of mashup of like of kind of Milanese Neapolitan I remember that they had you know, they'd have like a, there would be, actually, I mean, I remember having like mussels and potato soup actually, but mostly it was kind of parmigiana, it was, it was kind of cannelloni, it right. was cotolette milanese, mm-hmm. it was, there was probably, I don't know if they had pesto, but anyway, it was this kind of very red, I mean, I loved it, but you know, that was my idea of Italian food, and so coming to Rome and, and then, and then focusing on Roman food, and I still, I mean, the things like 
braised lentils or you know broccoli cooked twice in a pan or or, or how to use pasta cooking water I mean I did actually have a it's completely transformed the way I, I cook and I'm still very much a kind of casadecha at home and cooking but those things they I mean they I, I, I they felt they did feel like little revelations and it and it did change the way I cooked and I did want to write about that I think that they're really great I think I mean, Italian food makes so much sense to me. I mean, I like all, I love yeah. all food. I've always eaten well all over the world. I've travelled, you know, plenty. Yeah. But actually, Italian food is, well, nothing's hiding behind anything in no, Italian food. It's, it's so you know, forthright yeah. and straightforward. There is it is, no, and we have, all, again, this kind of trope about, you know, simplicity and simplicity. But no, it is. It's like, it, you know, it, my friend Francesca always says, you know, on, on a plate in Italy, you have like, you have, you have a, you have the soloist. Yeah. And then you might have a chorus around that, but essentially you know, you you know, you know what you're eating and this very this treatment of vegetables and and, and, and this very kind of resourceful um cooking that kind of often goes one day to the next. I mean that's I mean I remember even early days like you would be cooking, you know, your your food was a cu- an accumulation of days and mm-hmm. I'd be like, you know, but actually that still was a very my grandma's did it, but I didn't, you know, right. I, it completely changed the way I cook here and so I still do feel like I want to kind of preach that like some bad, mm-hmm. like evangelical, but, but I do feel I have something to preach. Absolutely. And I, you know, and I think, and I think that I, and I, yeah. Well, but, but in talking about that, I mean, just like you describing how your practice continu- has been transformed and has continued to evolve. Um, you know, I think that's a really good lesson because someone like you who is um, justifiably treated as an expert I think it's really helpful for people to hear that you still feel like a beginner a lot of the time, or at least an intermediate, let's say, mm-hmm. right? And that you're still learning and discovering things and making mistakes. And, and that it's, it's, it's a practice. It's the same way I think that doctors and lawyers and, and yogis refer to what they do as a practice, which is that it's a lifelong pursuit. But you never, you're never done, right? You never, fin- you never arrive and say, okay, I've mastered this and I'm completely finished and I know everything. That just doesn't happen. So any, any endeavor that's... that's um, complex and uh, uh, takes so many years to, to even just gain a, a baseline and call it mastery or familiarity or proficiency, I think is probably the better word. And to me, you, the, the great joy comes when you're 10 years in because you really do know the language and you really do know the vocabulary of things and ingredients and the processes and you know um, this thing at this stage of ripeness takes this treatment better than it does when it's, you know, fully ripe or immature or whatever. And, and, and then you really start to be able to get into these beautiful details that, that only deep familiarity reveals to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then, you could, then, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's the lovely, isn't it? It's like the everyday art and also cook any mistake, yeah. you know, you, you start again the next day. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it, you know, it's a very, as I said, when I worry, when I think that I know that, you know, we live, we live in, we know we live in, 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 in difficult times for a lot of people and, you know, and if you do start writing kind of public with the newspaper, you know, people are, are time and, and quite literally poor, you know, yeah. we are. And actually it's, it is, it's, it's, you know, it's one thing to have plenty of time like I do to cook, but actually the reality of, of cooking most days is, is kind of, is, is you know, it's, it's hard work for most people. Yeah. But actually, you know, I think, I think then again, I think I remind myself that actually I think an Italian way of cooking, it makes so much sense, I think, for a lot of for a lot of people, especially if you don't come from maybe a culture where you have a very kind of clear way of cooking. I still cook the same things that I've been cooking for ten years. And, I, I, I was <laughs> when I talked to Elizabeth a few days ago. Um, I told her that the very first thing that I learned to cook when I moved here was penne arrabbiata, and, and the, 
the thing that I, just blows my mind about it is that it's... And, you know, when there's four ingredients, like you said, there's nothing to hide behind. Mm-hmm. But those four ingredients have to be really good or yeah. you end up with a very lackluster, dingy plate of pasta. Exactly. Yeah. And it, ne- and it, never, it never ceases, you know, to kind of amaze me. And those... Yeah. Um, I think talking about cooking, we should probably go and Yeah, cook. we should. That's great. Let's go we, make some dinner. If I, I thought we can... I want to, we should do some... Yeah, ask jokes. We should have... We've got lovely parmesan. We should do a crudo. Yeah, okay. Perfect. I love it. Well, thanks for talking to me. This was a treat. <laughs> Rachel Roddy, racheleats.com, Rachel Alice Roddy on Instagram, I'm cookblog on Instagram, cookpod.net, music by my son Milo Barrett, smilob.com. Please subscribe, please rate highly, please tell your friends, and please come back next week. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>